Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be taking a look at Spidey Comics from December of 1984. That's right, and to commemorate the occasion, we've brought back guest host Kyle Van Dongen. Glad to be back. Woo! All right, Glad so yeah, Kyle, you. again, to reiterate, not a huge comic reader. I think the first comic you ever read was the one I gave you, right? I'm sure I read something before that, but that's the first one in memory, so that says a lot, too. Uh, okay, okay. But you're a big movie guy, right? Yeah. How many films have you directed and released? Uh, we talk about features or shorts? Well, features. Only three, unfortunately. Three. Uh, how many shorts? <laughs> oh, over 50. And how many oh. of them are good? <laughs> uh, at least two. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, you're doing better than me then. Okay. Okay, so uh, for, today, for today's choices, we're going to start with... Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number... Wait, today's choices? What do you, wow, are, you say, are you saying we have a choice in... No, in... there's no choice, Josh. <laughs> oh, you okay, have to okay. review these no matter what. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> today's dictated picks are... First one is going to be Amazing Spider-Man 259. Now, before we jump into this, Kyle, I don't remember. You have not reviewed a black costume issue yet, have you? Uh, no, because we didn't read them last time, so no. Okay, okay. But I am familiar with the plot line um, from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 and the old 90s cartoon, at least in a perfect sense. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay, so what's your take on the black costume? Do you like the design? Uh, it's cool, I guess. It's, I don't like it as much, though, honestly. I think it's like almost trying too hard to be cool. Whoa. Yeah, Ooh, I know. Probably a controversial take. Fighting words there. Well, it's, it's more right. like edgy, right? Like, oh, he's edgy and dark now, which is yeah. But I he was the, like, I think he was the first one to do it, though. I think he started the trend. I think everyone does this now, right? The Matrix, like mm. NFL or not NFL and NHL expansion teams, they all have black costumes now. But I think Spidey did it first. Huh. <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So let's start out by reviewing. Um, this I'm just going to summarize this plot really quickly. Uh, so basically, let's see here. I'm just going to crack this sucker open here. I've actually got the original issue here, which is kind of cool. But um, this issue is mainly about the secret origin of Mary Jane Watson, okay? Um, so it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, I probably thought this was a masterpiece you know, of literature. But it's kind of just like soap opera cliches. You find out that... Um, you know, her father was abusive and she had, um, a sister. I don't want to go into all the details, but basically her father was abusive to her and her sister and her mother. Um, and she basically throughout the 1960s and seventies and eighties, Mary Jane was always known as the sort of flighty, happy go lucky party girl. And this is the issue where we find out that it was actually a cover up for the fact that she had an abusive household. And this is the characterization that was used in the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we also get some um, uh, subplot with the Hobgoblin, but not much, just touching base a little bit. But the, yeah, again, the main focus is Mary Jane and how um, she just kind of wanted to leave her abusive past behind. And so she, um, what do they show? I don't remember what she, it, does she become an actress here? I don't remember. I don't think so. Eh? Um, yeah, I think it shows her in drama school. 
Right, mm-hmm. right. Okay, so it's funny because by the time I saw the movies, I'd forgotten about that. And I thought that was an invention of the film. So I'm glad it actually has like a source in the comics, but whatever. And then we also touch base with the subplot with um, the Fantastic Four still has the uh, black costume, you know, under lock. But obviously, this is the building subplot because we know that something's going to happen because it is intelligent and it's plotting its revenge, right? So we know something's going to come out of that. Um, And we know that the Hobgoblin's back. We know that Hobgoblin is teaming up with with the Rose. And because Spidey finds out something's going on with Hobgoblin, he's got to put his red costume back on for the first time in eight months, even though he had it on last month in Marvel Team-Up and Spectacular Spider-Man. But that's okay. We'll ignore that. So he suits up and he, you know, sets out to go fight the Hobgoblin. And that's pretty much the issue. I'm sure we're going to focus mostly on the, you know, the secret origin of Mary Jane. So why don't we start with that, Kyle? What do you think about the revelation about Mary Jane's past and also the fact that she's always apparently known that Peter Parker was Spider-Man? She has always known? Oh, I know. Well, that's what she's, yeah, she says that in here that she's always known, which was a retcon because she definitely has not always known. It's basically just, uh. (laughs) Tom DeFalco saying that. <laughs> yeah. Well, as for her like history, it's like, I guess it was. It's interesting. It was. It was definitely. Yeah, it was interesting. Probably not. Not. Not into really entertaining. Just interesting. Okay. Because like, I wonder, like, if 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 you sell this to some kid, because that's the target audience. Like, this is not like gonna appeal to them really. Uh, even even myself, I I felt like they were maybe trying too hard to make it increasingly depressing as it went along it's not enough that her father's an abuse abuser has to like continue along right to the point right. where she like abandons her sister because her sister has too many kids and she doesn't want to like be dragged down with her and like right. they have like the uh the uh, uncle who's like seems good at first but then kind of throws him out right just right, like right. It, it, it just one thing after another it's like oh my gosh it's just the, the abuse of father is probably enough <laughs> uh good point it kind of goes back to that rule that when you try to make something twice as scary or twice as tragic, it's usually half as scary or half as tragic, right? King Kong fighting T-Rex is cool. King Kong fighting three T-Rexes over a chasm is stupid. Right. It's, it's one-third <laughs> as cool instead of three times as cool, right? Exactly. Right. Um, okay, we'll come back to that in a minute. Josh, what did you think about the secret origin of Mary Jane? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. I think it was a pretty good attempt at trying to uh i guess give a little bit more backstory as to why mj rejected his proposal and didn't want to be with him after they were like together for so long um Mm -hmm. it really kind of uh really shows that they are a good match for each other as well because they're pretty similar in their backstory i mean besides the superhero side of spider-man or of peter like their 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 backstories are pretty much the same like uh, Peter's parents died and lived with his aunt and uncle, and then his uncle passed away, and he's trying to keep this relationship with his aunt, and he's, like, pushed her away. Um, so it's pretty similar to what happened with her, and we kind of see it condensed, and I think, I think yeah, it, it, it maybe suffers from a little bit too much tragedy, mm-hmm. um, like you guys were saying, but um, it was it was kind of nice to see this side of MJ and to kind of slow the story down a little bit and not have a comic full of uh, Spidey punching a bunch of people. Right. I think that, and I think that's why when I was a kid, when I read an issue like this, I would have been like, Oh, see, you know, superhero comics are not just about fighting, right? This is a good Mm -hmm. story. 
It's not necessarily a great story, but yeah, it's definitely an attempt at something more than just people punching each other, right? Right. So I'll definitely give it that. Um, and now, I, I think the, th- the thing is, too, I think that the the emotional side matches mm-hmm. the tone of of what the comic book normally is. Like, when, they ca- when Peter is in danger, um, like as Spider-Man when he's fighting the foe, I am a little bit scared that something bad is going to happen to him, but also at the same time, it's more it more leans on the side of like corny, cheesy, fun uh, action, right? I'm never right, I'm right, never right. fully scared that anything bad is going to happen to Peter. And just with this, like, yeah, I feel bad for MJ, and it's like it is a little bit more of a deeper story, but it's not so tragic where I was crying reading this comic either. So well, I feel like oh, the tone. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. I was just finishing up. Like, it, I just feel like the tone kind of matches. Yeah, well, I was just going to add, though, like, is this something that's going to inform her character going forward, though? Or is it just kind of a standalone, here's some information? Because that, that kind of affects what you're saying there for, like, the value of this story. Like, is it something that's worth even telling, though? I, you know I, I mean? don't know. That's a good question. I think, I, I mean, I've read all these issues, and I don't remember exactly how much it comes into play, but I think it does come into play a little bit, for sure. Okay. But I know next to it, I know they're probably not connected. No, no, no mention of any of this. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No. <laughs> um, now, okay, so Kyle, what about, uh, I believe this is the first time you've come across the art by um, Ron Friends and Joe Rubenstein. What's your take on the art? Uh, this one, I did not particularly enjoy the art. I think it was probably more like the coloring was odd. Uh, there there the are coloring. some... So, yeah, there, well, for, for, there are some panels I liked. Like uh, one thing on page wait, page three, I, I kind of like this water ripple thing. It reminds me a lot of like a movie would do for like a transition between scenes, where it shows mm. like MJ then ripples into like her parents. Sure, okay. Um, but then there are like odd choices. Like on here, I, I left a note for myself because it's so weird. On page uh, five, um, it's, it's when we far, start, far, start seeing how, how abusive her father is. Uh, and and he, um, he's about to slap her sister, which is like kind of intense, and they're just red in the background. That's the color issue. But then the frame right before that, he's like in this like total superhero pose, which I don't feel is appropriate right, for like the right. wife abuser. Good point. Yeah, I noticed it, that too. Like, I mean, just choices like that, and then and my, MJ literally does backflips at the bottom here. <laughs> good point. You know, that's the thing is the the thing I like about Ron Friends and people like Sal Buscema is that they follow like the the kind of rules of how to draw comics the Marvel way. But then the problem is, is that they tend to be unsubtle and they tend to repeat sort of stock poses and stock reactions so that when it comes time for something like that, it's like, okay, I need this guy to stand in a dramatic way. Well, it doesn't mean he should stand like a damn superhero, but you're right. Like, it's like a Wolverine pose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like he only knows like four poses and he's got to use one of them. And this is the one he picked. And then, like, a good example of the coloring thing I was mentioning it is page nine. Like, I understand, like, in the second uh, panel, you see, like, MJ and Peter, I believe that's them, yeah, are, like, yeah. in color, and the characters in the front are blue because they're not important. But then yeah. the panel before that, they're all red, even the important characters. I, I just don't understand, like, I guess oh, just laziness. Like, that's like, just called this. laziness, 100% <laughs> laziness, yes. And for, I mean, I want to pick on the colorist, but that was a convention of the time. Like, you'll see that a lot. When colorists are trying to cut corners, they'll just color everything red or blue. Just of the three we've read, like it really stuck out here, like being especially like a little bit. Obviously, I understand, right? Right, right. 
like on page uh 12 is especially bad there's a laboratory made of yellow blue and purple including the people good point good <laughs> yeah. point well and you know what makes it even worse is this is a recoloring they actually took the time to recolor this with a computer and they didn't take the time to fix all those you know not mistakes but they could have just made them you know like what color they're supposed to be right improved upon it yeah in fact since we're on here one more comment on the art um directly below that in the same page uh, page 12 i like the shot of the hobgoblin like racing through people it's kind of cool okay but the, the, i find the hand in the front kind of distracting my first thought was like there's some like large puppet master like overseeing like ah <laughs> uh, gotcha oh okay. yeah i, I, see I that. get the, the attendant effect but that was not the first thing i saw right gotcha there might yeah, be a that, couple of instances that, like again, that that's throughout. like a classic Marvel Kirby thing, but it's yeah, probably not done as well as it could be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ooh, even even throw, I find like because I forget which one we read. I, I don't remember the number, but the one I did last time, like the Hobgoblin's action scene was so like perfect. Like I could yeah, tell that was John Romita. John Romita Jr. Yeah. Here it's definitely more abstract. Like I'm not quite sure how he's going from panel to panel. In fact, in page, one more thing, page 13, is he shooting a finger beam? Like, I'm not even sure what's happening. There. Yeah, that actually is a finger beam. Yeah. Yeah, that, that okay. is exactly what that. it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the th issue I always have with this art is the inking. I think the inking is really sloppy. And um, I, for some reason, they've made Mary Jane look like she just woke out of bed. Her hair style is terrible this whole storyline so i don't know what they're thinking there but yeah that's my biggest issue is the inking i just think it's really amateurish um so i don't know josh i mean i know we've been reviewing this these guys a lot but is the art pretty much the same as it's always been the last few issues um yeah i i'd say it, it feels pretty much the same it's it's solid i i mm. think it's it's I think it does its job when it needs to. I think um, I think you're totally right, though, with a lot of the coloring. I was I was lost a lot of the times with the far shots, right? And like trying to figure out like who everybody is. Um, like I have a note about like original page eight, um, exactly that first panel that you were talking about, where everybody is colored red. Like it's it's the, everything else is colored, and then it's like nothing like i wouldn't even be upset if if everybody was red besides mj and peter right right like it wouldn't feel like cutting corners and it would just feel like um a way that they're telling the story but because, but since they're also like just splashed with red it's like oh okay sure mm -hmm. um but i i will say i do particularly like the last page this like splash page with uh Peter climbing up his bathroom wall about to jump out the, the skylight. And right. then you have like the, the uh, hobgoblin in like, like hovering over him. It's, it's really nice. Oh, I agree. I wrote a note to like good, good example. Like almost the last couple pages. I like a lot of him suiting up. Like I'm sure you've all seen mm -hmm. this before, but this is the first time I've seen such a detail, like such good shots of the web shooters. And like you said, mm -hmm. that cool, almost splash page at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, see, that that last page is great. I do think it could have been a little bit better with better inks, but mm -hmm. it's probably, yeah, the best page in the book. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I also particularly like um, when MJ and Peter are saying goodbye to each other. Like, um, it's a original page 16. Um, 
they're kind of they kind of like stopped on their walk and they're standing under this tree and yeah. they hug each other and then walk off. Like it's it's really nice here. I think it's the art is extremely well done and um, like you can really feel the expression on their faces and right. Yeah, there's there's some really fun stuff. Kyle, are we gonna say anything else? No, no, I, I agree with that. Those, those panels are good. All right. Well, I can definitely say this is the best book of the bunch, and I do recommend mm-hmm. it. It's not a masterpiece, but it's another classic issue of the DeFalco Friends uh, Amazing Spider-Man run. So I recommend it. Uh, Kyle, do you recommend it? Uh, probably not as much. I, I mean, it depends on what you're after, obviously. Like, I do appreciate the ambition of doing something different. Uh-huh. But like I said, when I think of, like, a fun Spider-Man comic, I, this is probably not the first thing I'd pick up or want. Uh-huh. Okay, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I would definitely recommend this to anybody who reads Spider-Man. Like, this would mm. be, like, high on the list. But this wouldn't be the first one I would go to to give right. somebody who hasn't read Spider-Man. So, um, yeah, I think, in general, I would definitely recommend this. Good point, good point. Okay, so now we are going to jump to Marvel Team Up, Josh's favorite. Josh, would you like All to right. do the honors and summarize this issue for us? Um, no. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we start off this issue with uh, uh, learning that Spider-Man is going to be teaming up with Thor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see the little kid from the previous issue who um, who was like part of the gang that Spider-Man was stopping. And after him and I can't even remember who it was that saved him. Was it Nomad? Nomad. Or human, human Torch. Human Torch. No, no, I think it was Nomad. Okay. Because he, because this is when um, Black Abbott used the shield. Oh, or, sorry, uh, Spider-Man used the shield on Black Abbott and like his hand disintegrated. And he, right. like he thought it was so cool that he picked up a shield himself, like a, a garbage can and used it as a shield. So we see mm-hmm. him here like, training to be a superhero and he comes in and uh he's stopping these kids from he tries to stop these kids from uh you know doing some graffiti on the wall and they beat him up and uh he runs away and as he's like walking away kind of upset and sad he falls through the ground and into this like pipe and uh he crawls through and he sees these people getting into these like futuristic fu- futuristic ships which we have seen before with uh previous issues with uh, uh spider-man and human torch and um whoever else but we see spider-man he's going to the hospital and he wants to check up on black abbott and uh do some uh, uh interrogation with him and uh as he's there we see these jets, the same ones that the kid was looking at, and they're shooting at the building, and uh, Donald Blake, a.k.a. Thor, happens to be walking by, and he stops the missile and uh, uh, takes down the ship, and Spidey and Thor are talking to each other, and they get the backstory of the Black Abbot. It turns out this guy in the hospital wasn't actually the Black Abbot. I had kind of briefly touched on this last week because I was mm-hmm. so confused by the right, story. Right, I looked, right. I looked, I had looked into it because it just didn't make any sense how they were telling it. So right. I wonder if this is like them trying to uh, fix that, or if it was planned the whole time oh, to be boy, revealed later on. But 
Mm. We find out that the Black Abbot is a monk, and he was training with a bunch of other monks, and they've they are, they were able to unlock their minds and unlock these like potentials, like limitless mm-hmm. style, and they're able to use these type of like superpowers. And he discovered the Black Abbot discovered that he can use mind control to control all of these monks. So he mm. pretty much created a superhero army that he can control and they all have these different abilities um so uh spidey swings off and we catch up with human torch and uh, i can't remember who this girl is um uh... do you remember who this is <laughs> I know you're talking about. I didn't know her. Either. I never knew who she was. <laughs> uh, it might. Maybe it's just somebody that the Human Torch is trying to impress. But uh, <laughs> they see the 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 symbiote, uh, his old Spider-Man's old previous costume in the jar at the Baxter Building, and they kind of start talking about that for a little bit. Then we catch up with Black Abbott. He's in this church, and he's got this evil plan. Oh, so has- did. Just for the record, that was Alicia Masters. Okay, go ahead. Alicia? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing's uh, girlfriend. R- but I, I, right. This yes, time okay. it was it was actually she was with Johnny, which everyone hated, so they retconned it. But anyway. Uh, okay, gotcha. Um, so Black Abbott has a bunch of his like mind controlled monks all over the place in different cities around the world, kind of doing evil, and he has this like evil plan, and he's kind of like talking about it in his throne room to himself uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and the the monk that is in the hospital he wakes up like still having a slight connection with him and he tells Thor where he is and what his plans are so Thor goes over there and he starts fighting them uh, they're able to like stop his hammer which is pretty interesting <laughs> or, sorry they open up it. sorry they right yeah. yeah they open up a portal and they he, they make him hit himself with the uh, the hammer, which is kind of cool, um, and then they try to mind control him so they can also wield Mjolnir. Uh, Spidey uh, ends up catching up with the little kid who found the secret tunnel to the base. He shows him where it is, and uh, Spidey makes his way into the into this place and helps Thor escape. Uh, and the two of them uh, stop Black Abbot from kidnapping the little kid. And Black Abbott ends up getting the way as uh, Spider-Man uses... I actually think they use this in Endgame, where uh, uh, Thor throws Mjolnir and Spider-Man holds on to it as he's able to kind of fly with Mjolnir and catch up to the spaceship. And he rips the door off and saves the kid. And that's where we end things. And yeah, it's... uh, I don't know. This issue was... uh, fine i don't know not good i don't know i think it was equally as bad as the last few personally um i don't give a shit about oh i shouldn't swear i don't care <laughs> i don't give a darn about black abbott i don't care about this kid um i just think everything about it is just as bad as the previous few issues so i don't know if um carrie burkett was trying to wrap up like all the subplots that he'd been developing but i don't think he does a great job so no i didn't enjoy it and I did say earlier that I um, skim read a couple pages, and it was definitely the pages where he starts, you know, revealing his origin. And I just mm. thought, oh my god, this is not how you do it. I can't read this. So that's my take on it. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? 
Well, on my notes, I always write like a little like review for myself to refer to, and the first okay. line is, "This is the best of the three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us why. Um, well, there's a few things. I, I mean, I I, I kind of like that it was more or less like it was stand. It was like connected to other stories you could tell, but I, I understood everything that was happening. There was enough of me to like catch on as it just mm-hmm. jumping in, mm-hmm. and get the flow of it right. Um, I like how this was a, a compl- uh, complaint I had last time about how I believe Spider-Man just happened to run into a church where the new mutants were and just happened to know where they right. stumbled upon them. Whereas right. in this one, it's kind of good because. This kid, Tony, he does stumble upon, you know, Black Abbott's hideout. But when Spider-Man finds him, he can tell him where it is. It's like, that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And then Spider-Man, one of the, the things it's like, okay, well, you have the Avengers on standby, right? So why doesn't Spider-Man get help from the Avengers if Thor's been kidnapped? It's like, right. well, he does try to get help. And he sends this kid with some secret uh, codes, like basically things that the Avengers and Fantastic Four would remember to know it's not some, like, fan, like, fanboy trying to get in with them, right? Right. And it's like the kid mess messes up the secret messages, so now nobody's coming to help. Um, and I, I find that's kind of just interesting how they, they acknowledge all these things that I'm always questioning, right? Like how Spider-Man right. know where to go? Well, this is how he knows. Why doesn't he call for help? And then just in terms of the plot, I thought I thought Black Abbott was kind of a cool idea. He was different, like, hmm. um, like basically you know one who is many, but it is still just one guy who has like control over all these people. And it's I didn't know that. Uh, this non-black abbot, um, black apostle, I think they called him, would, tur- like, I thought, okay, yeah, he's helping Thor out, but no, he was tricking him all along. I fell for it, too. as a surprise. I was like, wow. Okay, okay. So a couple, I don't know, and I just thought it was neat. Like, it wasn't like, I'm not going to call it high art, but I thought it was just a fun little story. Mm-hmm. And like Josh uh, said, the part with the, the hammer, um, with Spidey catching on to it, I thought that was a neat idea, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was okay. I mean... You know, it kind of plays on the whole thing that only someone who's worthy can lift the hammer, but he doesn't lift it. He just rides along with it. So that's kind of cool. He grabs on, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I still didn't enjoy it, but Josh, what do you think? I I think that this issue does a really good job, which is very unlike Marvel Team Up, to throw you into a story that is ongoing without Mm -hmm. stopping to give you a flashback. Um, well, except for the flashback that I skipped over, but yeah. Right, but I think that's an exception because that is somebody telling, like, the backstory. We, okay. we as a reader, have never seen this before. Okay. Right? Where, where a lot of times in, the, in, in comics, they will, like, take up at one or two pages flashing back to the previous issue and retelling the events of what, just, what you just read last month. That's true, yeah. And we'll get a lot of that Spoiler alert, we'll get a lot of that when we talk about um, next issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of, like, just flashing back to previous stuff that happened. Right. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I thought it was solid. Like, I didn't hate it. I think uh, maybe I also have a little bit of a bias for Marvel team-up and just really not enjoying them. This is definitely the strongest Black Abbott has ever been. Um, Because whenever... Whenever he has shown up, he's shown up, I think, two or three times now in, in these comics, and he just shows up and is a bad guy. His powers aren't clear. We don't really know what the heck is going on or what his deal is. So having a little bit of context, it's it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does almost feel like 
they didn't know exactly what they wanted for the supervillain. So they just gave him whatever powers and then they figured out his backstory later on. Because it it does make sense um, in this case, but um, in previous previous issues that don't exactly match up here, like, I... I couldn't tell. Was was Black Abbott the one that lost his arm? Or was that mm. another one of his goons? Well, that's the thing. At this point, I don't know who is who. Because I think he's got... I think Black Abbott has both of his arms in this one. I, I, yes. The, um, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought that the Black Abbott we saw when, we, when he's first introduced was the one in the red and black. But maybe I'm just misremembering. Anyways, it's not super important. I think I just have like a bad taste in my mouth about this character already. So I was just like not super impressed that we were kind of getting like a retcon. But right. um, if I'm looking at this one just by itself, it's not awful. Like it's 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 got some fun stuff with it. I really do like the like the side story with the kid um, having him come back and still training to be the superhero, and he just happens to stumble upon this and. He comes back later on to help Spidey out and messes things up a little bit and uh, has to, you know, feels like he has to be the hero and go fix that mistake and go as backup for Spider-Man, which ends up getting him in more trouble and putting him into more danger. And Spidey's got to save him at the end. And yeah, it's it's um, not awful. It's pretty good. So it's above average Marvel team up. It's it's a definitely above average for Marvel team up. I'd say this is a pretty darn good Marvel team up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the art briefly because Kyle, this is the first time you've come across uh, Greg LaRock. Uh, what was your take on the art? Uh, I think I generally like. Oh wait, no, never mind. The comment says bad art. <laughs> Unclear, <laughs> but constant. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, throughout the throughout the the, I find it's kind of same complaint as last time where. Um, I do once I figure out what what's happening. It's like, oh, that's cool, but it takes me a moment longer than it should. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem I, a I little bit more like busy. Yeah, like like even like 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 the part of the hammer we're talking about, where Spidey, Spidey's riding on the hammer. It's like you get it, but you got to look at it for a second to kind of okay, I got it. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, here's the thing. I, Oh, go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, I think um, Amazing Spider-Man does it really well where they don't have a lot of background noise when it's not needed. I find that um, like at the beginning of a scene, they'll show you like a detailed background for the first one or two panels to kind of show you where the characters are and give you a feel of what's going on. But then when right. important things that need to happen, they just have a solid background color because to... to not distract you from what's important and i feel like in this one no matter almost no matter what there's something going on in the background that's just kind of muddying up what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah uh the art last issue was a little bit better this one again it's never bad i don't think it's bad at all i think the Mm -hmm. inking by mike esposito is much better than the inking by uh joe rubenstein so i did like that but overall just kind of a little bit pedestrian, a little bit plain. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't love it, but it was okay. Right. Yeah, because I think, like, if you look at any one single panel by itself, it's fine. But when right. you look at it as a whole, as, like, action and trying to follow what's happening, that's when it sometimes gets a little bit lost. Right, right. But as a whole, that. I think I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. 
and also just kind of skimming now just refresh myself some of, some of the kind of superhero poses are kind of dorky like um page <laughs> 20 here like in spider-man like busts in to save thor he's got this weird pose where he's like kicking one guy and punching with the other arm <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't like look good uh wait oh so digital 20 yeah that's digital really digital awkward 19. you're right you're yeah. right there's a lot of like throat like spider-man his head shaped kind of funny or he's just kind of like mm-hmm. he's he's posed in a weird way yeah I, that's the thing is i don't think that's greg LaRock's strong suit he's not great at action where i think ron friends is really good at action but but at least he's, he's his storytelling's clear it's just not as dynamic as ron friends is but anyway, so I don't know. Ooh, I still don't recommend this issue. I can definitely say I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to reread this again, ever. Uh, Josh, what about you? Uh, no, I, I don't think I would really recommend it. It, it wasn't awful. If, you're, if you want to check out Marvel Team Up and see what it's about, it's not an awful issue to get, you know, to, to look at, but I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend this one. Kyle, what about you? Well, I, I recommend it's just kind of middle of the road, like you get a fun little story mm-hmm. and it's not like the best story you'll ever read, but it's entertaining enough. But it's your favorite of the batch. Yeah. <laughs> well, this Yikes. Is pre- well, here's the thing. Like, I, I could argue um, from an objective standpoint, I might prefer the first one we talked about with the Mary Jane backstory, just in terms of what it's trying to do. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of what I'm looking for from a comic, this one delivered more. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also going to mention um, one thing, because last time I was on, because remember, I've only read comics I've, talked about on the show uh, the, the, the stories were all more or less standalone they reference things that happen but these all have this continuous subplot which I assume is something they start doing down the line with like um, well last one had Hobgoblin subplot and the symbiote subplot this one cuts back to the symbiote again and I found it it, it better in this one that was just kind of one quick aside mm-hmm. whereas the, the, the uh, uh, Mary Jane story it almost felt like Here's the story we're trying to tell. We know it's not interesting enough. So here's a bunch of other stuff happening along, you know, like, oh, let's go check in with the Hobgoblin two times. But it never right. connects in that particular issue. Or is this, aside from the little symbiote side plot here, everything connects to itself, including the kid at the beginning, who he, I kind of forgot about till he came back into the fold. Okay, good point. Yeah, I feel like in the previous issue, in, in, in Amazing uh, 259, it kind of almost felt like a soap opera or like any TV show or movie where it's like cutting between action. Um, I don't think it really particularly work, worked mm-hmm. because I don't think that um, what MJ and Peter were really amping up at the same level as what was happening with Hobgoblin. If right. both stories were kind of getting intense and there was like this dramatic reveal for both what Hobgoblin was doing and with MJ's backstory, it would feel maybe like they belong together. But uh, like you said, it kind of felt like they were like, well, we need to give them some action. So they keep reading. So let's throw this in as well. Right. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up our discussion of Marvel team up. I think we can move on to Peter two Parker. Two more to go. Two more to go. Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, that's right. Two more Marvel team-ups to go, and then we're done. Uh, uh, Kyle, would you like to do the honors of summarizing the plot for Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 98? Yeah, is Enter the 97. Hermit. Yes, Enter the Hermit. It's spectacular Spider-Man yeah. number 97. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, this is the one where okay. Spider-Man just complains a lot. Okay. Basically, <laughs> Spider-Man has... A, I just wrote down a summary because it was just Spider-Man has a lot on his mind. <laughs> he tries to web swing to blow off steam. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> and then it, it's so weird. Like, um, I'm, I'm trying... Okay, so there's this guy <laughs> I wrote that where, where is it? I'm trying to scroll Timothy Quail he's basically we, we get his backstory he's this kid that just he gives advice to neighborhood kids I guess he understands people very well so then he moves to Tibet to become a hermit yes um, to get yeah. away from people and then people still find him and line up outside his cave for his advice and then he comes back to America and becomes like a marketing guy Mm-hmm. And then criminals see how good he is at like advertising cola, so they they kidnap him to like plan their schemes, um, and that eventually connects to Spider Man in that he saves this guy. But the whole rest of the time, Spider Man is just literally complaining about his life. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I take it you didn't like the complaining. No. Well, there's literally a part where he's he, he it, it gets summarized when he complains about putting on his old costume again. Oh, now I have to get dressed. My old costume used to dress me for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Just like, oh, shut up, Spider-Man. Like, I, I understand he's a tortured teenager. He's balancing his real life, hmm. but then it just gets ridiculous too because he's uh, page nineteen digital. Yeah, I, I I likened it to like. He, he thinks Black Cat's cheating on him and having an affair. Really, he, he suspects she has superpowers, but he's scolding her like, oh, you've been running around by my back. But instead of being like out of town on business, he was on the Beyonder's planet, and he heard it once. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it, it's, it's really ridiculous. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, I mean, for some reason, I always enjoy Peter Parker more than Marvel Team Up. I, again, I think this one is roughly the same as all the other um uh P- peter parker's uh josh what do you think i think this was maybe getting worse i, I don't worse? know it's yeah i i really like we're, we're following this story with with peter Qu- or not um peter quail uh quail the 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 hermit timothy, um, timothy quail which, which is uh, yeah which Crap, is but... which is yeah it's it's whatever but Spider-Man is not tied in with this character at all, and it just so happens that Peter just kind of like saves him by the end. Mm-hmm. It's it's really strange, and yeah, just to follow Peter like complaining the entire time, uh, it's really strange. I'm why also like why did we even have the the like flashback of him talking about what happened last issue? It never came up. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Like, it's so weird. It takes up almost an entire page of him swinging through the city, talking about, oh, man, I had to deal with Kingpin and the answer and cloak and dagger and, like, retelling that story. It's like, mm-hmm. why? And then um, him talking about Aunt May and the problems that they're having and then Black Cat. Like, we see him talk to Black Cat and see their troubles with each other. Why do we need to stop and have him think about all of the troubles they're having when we see it later on? Like it, it shows yep. us what's happening. So it's just totally so right. strange yeah. that, that they have to like describe everything to us when it, that's what this issue is really about. Mm-hmm. 
is, is everything bad that's happening to Peter. So it's just, I don't know, not very good storytelling. I don't think that the two stories really mesh together well. Um, I can't remember. What's what's the conclusion? What does he tell uh, Timothy to make him, like... Oh, oh you repackage. need to change your packaging? Which is, is, is yeah. funny. Yeah, because it's like, you think the ad guy would know all about that. Right. And he's even tried that. Like, it's not like, oh, there's some new advice. Him becoming a hermit was him repackaging. Right. So he just kind of goes back to what he was doing already, but just he's more accessible now because he's still in the city. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think this was a really weak story. I mean, w- there wasn't really much of a story in this issue. Like, we've seen Spider-Man uh, argue with Felicia many times about the fact that she's keeping something from him. Mm-hmm. And then they fight, and then they separate, and then they come back together again. So, like, really absolutely nothing new happens. We're just kind of following this weird subplot with the Hermit and... Um, it's, it, there's not enough there for me to really like grab on to anything or enjoy. So I think this is one of the weakest issues we've read so far. Well, the thing is, is I appreciate the fact that Al Milgram is like, okay, I've only got a couple of issues left to go. So he tried to do something a little bit different. And maybe this character of the hermit is a little bit of a criticism of like, you know, materialism and all that stuff. But it, it's just... Not a great character, not fully really thought out, you know? So I don't really care too much about the character. And the way that's resolved is really rushed. Again, because he knows he's only got a few issues to go, right? So, yeah, definitely not great. Well, and with with the Hermit, do you... I read the issue, and I'm like, I even went back and tried to reread key spots. Like, what is his gift, exactly? Well, I think it's almost like... Well, not that he's hypnotizing. He's almost hypnotizing people, right? I thought he just gave good advice. Well, I think it's got to be more than that, though, isn't it? I don't think so. There doesn't seem to be any hypnotism at all. He just has good ideas, it seems like. Yeah, it's so strange. Like, they don't really describe it. Like, in some instances, it feels almost like giving good advice. But then in other instances, like when Peter is sitting on the billboard that he created... Right. He's like, wow, I'm going to go get some cola now. It's like, that's not even advice. It's just an advertisement. It's so well, see, strange. I, that's what I, like, like the, I think that's kind of like, it shows that, um, like, this is obviously, it's an outdated idea that I even studied in school, this whole idea of subliminal messages and advertising. I guess they say now it doesn't, doesn't work. But I think the idea is that this hermit guy is able to subliminally suggest all these ideas to people. And that's why I say it's like hypnotism. And I think it's almost to the point that his ad was so good that it was working on Peter Parker when he was in front of that billboard. That's what I think the idea is. Mm. Unless, but I mean, not to say it was a great idea, but I think that's what they're going for. Right. I think, yeah, I think the confusing part is that it it's being taken so, like, taken to the extreme mm-hmm. with people lining up outside of, like, a Tibetan mountain. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, waiting for like- advice. Like three panels to him from being some kid in the street giving <laughs> yeah. advice to his friends about getting away from tr- like getting out of trouble with their parents to him being a monk in Tibet. Yeah, uh, it, it just—I don't know. I, I don't like the fact that like the, the worst sequence in the whole book to me is when he when he actually talks about how when he goes to to Tibet. Uh, where, where's the part here? Um, 
If anything, the beard and robes added to the image as a wise seer. After all, he really, he really looked the part. Like, it just seems like really cartoony logic, you know? Like, just really stupid. And again, I know this is probably intended for a younger audience, but it just seemed really dumb at that point. Well, then his end result is to put on a beard to avoid mm-hmm. looking the part? Yeah. Well, to avoid looking like a like a Wall Street, you know, executive type or whatever. Businessman. <laughs> uh, well, let's be clear. Like, none of this is great. Uh, the only thing I can give it points for is trying to, trying to do a story about materialism and all that. But I don't really think it succeeds at all. So I definitely, I don't think the story is great. Uh, but we haven't talked about the art. I don't know if you noticed, Josh, that it's a different artist, this issue. Yeah, I did a little bit. Um, uh, I noticed in the flashback stuff because Kingpin uh, and Cloak and Dagger look really different from when mm. they're from what they're usually drawn. I mean, I feel like Spider Man um, and Peter, for the most part, look the same, and I'm assuming it's because the artist is trying to take on the role of of drawing a Spider Man comic. So they have a lot to go on, but uh, I felt that a lot of the other like side characters is where I started to notice that something was off. <laughs> okay, not well, off, see, but but different than yeah, than, different. Than the norm. Yeah, uh, Kyle, what did you think about the art? Um, I think this particular story didn't like give the artist a lot of room to do cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so just from yeah. what I saw, I, I kind of liked it the best, just in terms of the way the characters looked and the backgrounds and such. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it, it was kind of detailed, but not too overly done. It right. was just, like I said, there's there wasn't any really big, cool action scenes to kind of, like, really drive it home one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of just talking. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Like, to me, like, Herb Trimpey is one of my favorite artists from when I was a kid. I I've, I mean, he's not, like, a, a spectacular artist, but he's a great storyteller. He's a classic Marvel artist. And so I just associate him with, you know, this 70s and 80s time period of just being a classic Marvel artist. But, um... I think there were some good panels, like the opening splash page of Spider-Man swinging through the city is really good. I think that's better than anything Al, Mil- Al Milgram could do, to be honest. Mm. Um, the rest of the issue, you could argue it's kind of plain, but I think there's some, like, I think he's, one of the things I've always noticed about his style is the way he has these giant side close-ups of people in the foreground listening to other people talk. That's something I kind of pick mm. out. Like, that's something that stands out for me as something he always does. Other than that, I think the art's a little bit plain. Like, I think Jim Mooney's inks are so good that it kind of overpowers him to the point that it is hard to notice that it was a different artist because Jim Mooney's inks are really what we see, right? Right. So while the pencils were good underneath, it was it didn't really stand out that much throughout the whole issue. So it was pretty much business as usual for the art. And so, I think yeah! We have seen, I think we have seen Herb Trimpey before. I think... Oh, many times, yes. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He was a regular for a while on, was it might, Team Up? It might have was been Team Marvel Up, team? right? Yeah, I think right at the beginning he was the regular artist. Yeah. Yeah. So. And he he definitely did some ugly stuff in those days, but he's also capable of doing some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also like I don't know, Kyle, if you've ever come across the Marvel GI Joe comics, but he did the first year or so of GI Joe. He did a bunch of early Transformers, so. If you've ever seen any promotional G.I. Joe art, there's a chance it was done by Herb Trimpey, so. Okay, I can kind of see that. Yeah. The similarity. He, like I said, he's a classic Marvel artist, I think, so. 
Like mm-hmm. Stanley told him that his art was ugly, but at least he knew how to tell a good story. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I don't know. I guess that wraps it up. Uh, so Kyle, what's your take on this era of Spider-Man so far? We kind of think that we're in a slump here. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, if these three are indicative of the quality, then yeah, I would agree. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, knowing that, it, go ahead, I Josh. Feel like, I, yeah, I feel like this is kind of the norm, unfortunately, right now. Mm. Um, Marvel team-up usually being the worst of it, but Peter Parker lately has been putting up a tough competition for that uh, third-place spot. Yikes. Well, thankfully, as we know, Al Milgram will be gone soon. And he'll be replaced by the writer from Marvel Team Up. But anyway, that's okay. Because as soon Marvel after that. Team up. Yeah, yeah. Soon after that, he'll be replaced <laughs> by Peter David. So there is light at the end of the tunnel, as we'd like to say. Uh, we'd like to thank Kyle for joining us this week. Thanks for coming back, Kyle. Story of the book. Oh, no better. problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So it's still, it's always good to review comics. It's always a good discussion. In fact, sometimes the worse the comic, the better the discussion, right? The more to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah sometimes that's more interesting to be, yeah. to listen to somebody be upset about a comic than to gush about it. But right. uh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Um, it really helps when you leave a review over on Apple Podcasts, or you could drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast. Um, it really helps when you guys let us know what you guys think about the, the comics that we're reading and the podcast itself. Uh, we want to keep that comic conversation going. That's right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right. See you then. Ah!